Welcome to Me and the Geek. I'm your host, Joel Sharpton. You can follow me on Twitter at The Rogue's Life, and you can tune in here to meandthegeekpod.com for a different geeky conversation every week. We're joined this week by Alicia Goodman. Alicia just finished her first year of doctoral studies at Texas Tech University. She's working on a Ph.D. in fine arts and theater with a specialization in arts administration. She currently runs a social media for Texas Tech University Department of Theater and Dance, and her research interests are social media and the arts. That's sort of her focus, guerrilla marketing, and the integration of Eastern and Western ideologies in performance. And she's also a big Apple geek. What we're going to be discussing this week is WWDC, the Worldwide Developers Conference, the upcoming uh, center of the Apple news world every year where they... These fingers crossed, Paprika Burgers. Big day today. Jamie gets his exam results. I hope he's done okay. He's worked so hard. So I'm making my paprika burgers for when he gets home. They were lucky last time. I add red onion and paprika to the mince. Then I top with jalapenos. Well? Make your own burgers with our Tesco finest Aberdeen Angus beef. Food love stories. Brought to you by Tesco really reveal new versions of iOS, their operating system for iPhones and iPads, as well as Mac OS X. That's the operating system on your Mac desktop or laptop computer. The other thing that we're going to be discussing a little bit about is the Apple Watch. Neither one of us actually have one of these bad boys yet, but we're both uh, very much in lust about it, and uh, we've read a lot about it. We've even gotten to handle a couple and play with them a little bit, and we want to talk about what we think of Apple Watch version 1 and what we expect to see or hope to see in version Two, If uh, Apple is not your bag, well, I'm sorry. There's lots of other great episodes in our queue for you, so go ahead and check out one of those. Or just wait until next week when we're going to be talking to Aaron Corney uh, about YouTube and uh, podcasting and the difference between video production and audio production. Right now, though, let's go ahead and hit it. This is Alicia Goodman alongside me, Joel Sharpton, with this week's episode of Me and the Geek. Joined this week on Me and the Geek by Alicia Goodman. She is my Apple geek, and you're going to hear a lot from her, as a matter of fact. I'm, you're lucky, as if, if you're not an Apple fan, you're lucky that I have not already done an episode or two on this. It's one of my biggest passions. I love to follow them both as a business and then uh, just as technology advances, too. And I also like to own the things as much as I can afford, anyway. Uh, so uh, this one in particular I haven't been able to afford yet, and that's the reason why I brought Alicia on. We're going to talk about the Apple Watch specifically, and we're going to talk about WWDC and some of the things that we expect uh, as the announcements are just around the corner. As this episode releases, I think we're just days away from the beginning of the uh, convention. So, Alicia, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. I appreciate you for joining us. Um, So the first thing, let's go ahead and before we get into WWDC and we talk about speculation, let's talk about what we know and what we've seen and what we've felt and touched and handled. Let's talk about the Apple Watch. First off, have you ordered one? Do you have it in your possession, et cetera, et cetera? I do not have one. It's a little out of my price range. But luckily, I had a few students of mine who had them and were nice enough to let me play with their fancy new toy. So were your, what are your first impressions, uh, especially before you actually got your hands on it? And then was there anything significant that changed after you did handle it? Well, my first impression when I saw the news release coming out was, I want that. I want that real bad. I don't know what it does, but I have to have it. And then I I saw the price tag, but um, looking at it, I thought it looked really appealing. It has nice lines. 
Um, I was actually surprised by the amount of options, which seems almost uncharacteristic of Apple to have so many different watch bands and you have size options and color and that was really exciting to me. Yeah, well, they describe it as their most personal device, their most customizable device, I think. And and I think that's very, very true. It is a very personal device. Anytime you're actually going to strap something on and wear it, you know, people notice what phone you use when you whip it out of your pocket and you're using it on the subway or you're using it while you're walking around. But your phone is never in your – I mean, excuse me, your watch is never in your pocket. This is always out there uh, and while it doesn't have, you know, some gigantic brand logo on it, uh, people are going to know, hey, that's the Apple Watch. Absolutely. I do think it's a bit of a status symbol, too, because it's so iconic now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what were the functions that you were most drawn to at first? I really love that Apple has focused on fitness. And so I'm really excited about their health integration and the reminders that they give for you to get up and move. If you've been sitting for an hour, the watch will tap you and tell you it's time to stand up and move. And I think that's a really great just overall concept, especially as our country's trying to find ways to be healthier and move. So I love that. Is that has is is the health uh, app in particular something that you find yourself using a lot on your phone? I know since I moved to the, I've got the six plus. That's the first device that I had that had the motion tracker in it. I didn't own the the five S. So I I've been sort of a nut at the end of the day every day, making sure that I've gotten my step count up there to a reasonable level. And I'm very that is one of the things that I'm most excited about as well the the ability to gamify sort of my daily health and activities. Absolutely. It's really nice to have that goal. And even if I've done nothing the rest of the day, if I've made my step count, I can feel proud. <laughs> so now once you actually got your hands on the device, I, I got to use one the other day uh, at church. As a matter of fact, I, I borrowed it from a guy right behind me. He let me try his on. He had the, the Milanese Loop. It was the steel model. Which, which models have you seen up close? I got to see the Milanese Loop steel. And I also got to see um, the Chief I say cheap, <laughs> the sport model, and it was a green band. Um, yeah, I was, I loved that Milanese loop. It, it was really nice. I have a, re a weird wrist size, so it was really nice to actually fit snugly on my wrist. Yeah, I was a little worried about, um, I, I've got a slightly hairy arm, and I was a little worried about like, you know, okay, it's going to pull and, and uh, yank on my arm hairs all the time. It'd be really uncomfortable, but I didn't find that at all. Now I wasn't wearing it all day. It was, you know, like a 10-minute try-on and sort of workout period, but um, still very, very cool. Uh, what do you think about the Taptic engine in particular? I, and, of course, now the rumors are, and we're going to get to that in a little bit, that that might be coming to other iOS devices eventually, but to me it seems like the combination of the uh, force touch screen so that you can actually um, have some level of interaction with the display itself. And then do you follow that up with or, or combine that with the haptic feedback? I think it's really got the potential to revolutionize touch screens. Oh, absolutely. Um, the, the haptic feedback is just a really neat feature. And I'm surprised it's taken us this far down the line of Apple products to get that type of technology. Um, it's really innovative, and I feel like it's that when everyone was thinking about what the future would end up, I think this is the future. Um, I didn't find the tap feedback to be annoying. Uh, the first time I felt it, I was like, oh, oh, okay. Um, however, I was reading online how um, some people can find it problematic 
because you need to take the time and go into the device um, through your phone into the app and actually configure all of the tap settings. Um, and if you don't do that, you'll be overwhelmed with every app sending you their notifications through the tap feature. Yeah, I think it is going to be a whole nother round of, and, and of course I'm amazed anytime I use, I, I'm a, I'm a geek, obviously I, I am currently hosting a show called me and the geek, but <laughs> I think anytime I use a, a quote unquote normal person's smartphone, whether that be Android or iPhone, I'm always amazed at the number of different apps that most people allow themselves to be notified by. I, I mean, I am ruthless with the number of things that I actually allow to send me a push notification or, or buzz my phone mm. or, or whatever. And I think it's going to be even more, more important for people to really have a stranglehold on that in the watch. It's one of the things that I'm hopeful becomes more discoverable for normal people in iOS 9, actually. We'll talk about that later on. Um, what were some of your other big thoughts as you got to use and play with the watch? Uh, well, first, the weight of it. It was heavier than I thought it was going to be. Uh, and that was the um, the 42 millimeter. Mm -hmm. I thought it'd be a lot thinner. And like when I tried on the sport watch in the 38, it didn't feel that much different to me. Uh, they were pretty comparable in weight, for me anyway. Um, and I, I got used to it though. It wasn't, it wasn't so heavy. I've had watches that were much heavier. Um, so it didn't bother me too much. I just, you know, I thought it'd be a bit more streamlined. Um, and I thought about it, um, in terms of jewelry, uh, I know for men watches tend to just be function, but for women, it's as much function as it is fashion. If you go to like any department store and you take a look at the watch section, Men, you get your, your chain uh, wrists, and you also have your leather options in black and brown. Pretty much it. But for women, you have so many different types. And so I wasn't sure how I would feel about the bands, considering it's more of an androgynous style, um, which makes me think that eventually third-party developers are going to have uh, a field day when they do end up making more variety of bands for fashion. But um, I was okay with it. I felt that it appealed to me as a female, but I could also see how it appeals to men. So that was really nice. Yeah, it was one of the number one things that I was worried about in the run up to this reveal. And of course, we you know we didn't know for a fact that Apple was working on a watch, but all of the smoke seemed to imply that there was fire eventually. And I kept wondering how. Do, I mean, how do you bring the Dick Tracy future past? Uh, to life without it being so overtly geeky. I kept trying to imagine a device which my wife would be willing to strap on her wrist. And now she does not have Apple Watch Envy. I imagine when and, and if I finally get one on my wrist, it won't be long after that that she begins to see the utility of it for herself too. But I do, I do think it's interesting that they were able to capture a sort of like a fine line right down the middle and the 38 and the 42, you're right, they are very, very minute differences. Even when you put them on your wrist, it's hard to tell the difference one to the other. And yet, with those and then the combination of bands that they've set up, it really does allow for something that almost everybody can find something that suits their lifestyle and their sort of fashion sense, you know? Absolutely. And then even the size difference between the 38 and the 42 – I mean, they're not that much different in size. I mean, it's mere millimeters at that point. And when I wear a watch, I tend to go for more masculine styles with larger faces. And so 
I could have even seen, I could eventually see one more model of this watch coming out in something slightly bigger than the 42, maybe at a 45 millimeter, 46 millimeter. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how they grow the line over time. I mean, we, we've seen them do this already with iPads and with iPhones as well. And uh, the, I, the iPod before it, and I think eventually you'll get to the place where we have even more iPhones than we do now, uh, new devices every year. And iPads, likewise, we're hearing the rumor about the iPad Pro, them potentially going larger. I think you're mm. right. I think there's room for more growth in, in this particular uh, product line. The interesting thing to me was that not only did they bring out the massive combination of uh, both styles and watches, uh, styles and bands, uh, but also this was really interesting in that they brought out this super luxury model. You know, oh, they call yeah. it they call it the edition. Everyone wondered whether they would make such a device, and if they would make such a device, what would they charge for it? And I think even now, even that it's actually out in the wild, and and lots of celebrities are are wearing these things around, it's still a little amazing to think that there is there is a piece of technology right now that Apple, the same Apple company that you have an iPhone and I have an iPhone and your grandma has an iPhone and grandpa's playing with his iPad and, you know, everybody's using their iPods and their Apple TVs and their FaceTime cameras, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, yes, they sell a $18,000 wristwatch. <laughs> What's amazing to me about that is that the internal hardware is exactly the same. It still has eight gigabytes that... It, it's still exactly the same. You're only paying for the design and you're paying for the rose gold and the 18 karat gold and the buckle. But the functionality is the same. There was a distinct um, attitude in the keynote, particularly the second one where they actually revealed you know, the details, the pricing details and the launch dates. It seemed to me that Tim Cook in particular was uncomfortable with discussing a device at this price level, at least in front of this particular audience. Now, when you've seen or heard Johnny Ive talk about it at different fashion events, uh, when he's he's uh, done the you know the interview behind the scenes uh, exposés that he's done a lot lately, I don't see any of that trepidation with him rolling this out. And I do think it comes down to a very different mentality and mindset between certain members of the executive team. It seems to me that this is all going swimmingly and like nobody's mad at anybody else. But I, I do wonder if there was not a fight about this particular question, whether or not this was right for Apple to even produce. What, what do you think about that? Watching Tim Cook speak, I've seen him speak more, um, or watched him online speak. Uh, he seems to be on board with like the everyman. Like he knows how to talk to... The journalist in the crowd, you know, the same journalist who doesn't have a, a six-figure salary, the guy who goes home to his wife and two kids and wonders, can we afford to, you know, buy a new refrigerator next month, whatever the case may be. And so I feel watching him from an administrative level, he knows how to talk to people and he knows how to communicate with everybody in the audience. So it would be uncharacteristic for him to come out guns a-blazing, ready to sell this $17,000 watch, especially when we know the realistic chances of that becoming a mass-sold product, which Apple is now mass-sold if you look at, like, iPhones. So I feel like he couldn't, even if he, even if he agreed, he couldn't come out and do that. It's not in his business practice as a leader. 
And it, I do wonder. I've heard, I've seen a lot of speculation online about whether or not the edition, the Apple Watch edition, will be the kind of thing that they continue to rev every year. Will, when there is an Apple Watch two, will there be an Apple Watch edition mm. two? I I do think there's something to be said that if they want everyone that wears a watch to wear the Apple Watch, there is a whole section of people all across the world, particularly in China they're only going to wear a gold watch. Like, they're, they're not going to put anything other on their wrist. So, I, I, don't, I don't know. I am a f- very strongly of two different minds here. It makes me uncomfortable as an Apple fan. It also, I, I see the potential profit for it, and I understand why they would do it. Well, if you look at the nine countries that the watch rolled out in, you have Australia, Canada, France, Germany, USA, UK, Japan, China, and Hong Kong. And just seeing Hong Kong on that list makes me think, okay, they have a definite business market in mind for this edition watch. Yeah, yeah. And it's the it's the high fashion. It's the mm. it's the kind of person that not only is $18,000 for a watch, not a big deal. $18,000 for a watch every couple of years isn't a big deal. <laughs> right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Woo. All right. So let's move forward to something that you and I uh, will be able to afford in the short term. How about that? And talk about some of the goodies that we can expect uh, coming from WWDC, uh, the Worldwide Developers Conference uh, for the people who uh, don't follow Apple as closely as we do is their annual event. Uh, And what they do is they invite uh, journalists, but also mostly developers, app developers, and people that are working on uh, Apple's different platforms. Uh, They invite them. There's a big keynote to start the week where a lot of uh, new goodies are generally announced. And then throughout the week, there are intensive training sessions where uh, engineers from Apple are working directly with engineers from these uh, different app development companies. And uh, then there's also some marketing sessions and other things like that, content production sessions even now. Um, But all of that stuff is geared towards making our customers happier. And, and the hour there being both the customers of Apple and the customers of all the uh, companies that work with and around the Apple platforms. It is a big, big event. And it's really like the, I used to call it Steve's-mas. It's the, it's the uh, <laughs> event on the Apple calendar. This year, it starts on June 8th. And let's get to some of the big things that we expect to hear announced there. Of course, the first thing that you're going to hear is about a new version of iOS and likely a new version of uh, the Mac OS X software as well. Um, the last version, of course, is uh, Yosemite. It's been out a little less than nine months now, I guess, at this point. And while I think a lot of people are hoping that both for iOS and for the Mac, the development is maybe even slowed down a little bit. I've heard a lot of people calling for a potential Snow Leopard-style release, where it's more about what's under the hood and... Uh, squashing bugs and things like that than pouring in a ton of new features. Uh, but are there anything, is there anything on the top of your list that you uh, definitely will be disappointed if, if it doesn't get announced in iOS 9 or in uh, OS 10? Well, I've been on the uh, beta testing for 10, 10, 4. Um, and one thing I really like that they're doing new uh, is they've streamlined some logos and the new photos app. And if that doesn't actually come out sooner than, 10.10, I will be super disappointed because I don't want to go back. <laughs> yeah, the new Photos app is really, really cool. And as a matter of fact, that's now available in the, the most recent point update to uh, Yosemite. You don't even have to wait for uh, the next version of OS 10 for that. You can go ahead and get the full version of Photos and get on the train now. The, the oh, cool good. thing there, of course, 
is the uh, addition of iPhoto library and iPhoto iCloud library. The idea being you can put all of your photos or all of your videos or both all into the iCloud storage space and then have those sync across all your devices. You can even tell photos to uh, micromanage your storage space. If you've got a, an SSD-driven laptop, for instance, and you don't have room for your entire photo library, no problem. It'll give you access to all of them and it'll manage the storage space so that you can still have room for the rest of the stuff on your computer. Very, very cool in theory. My problem with it, and the reason why I haven't fully adopted it, and, and maybe this is something we'll hear at WWDC, I've got a problem with the pricing. I was actually going to bring that up. I, I am not happy about the pricing. Uh, pricing. I am poor. <laughs> um, but And I don't think what I'm paying is worth the amount of space I'm actually getting. Um, and so I've ended up, I, I put some photos on there, like the really important ones, and used my five gigs of free space. But then I've just been putting the rest of mine onto an external drive. And if I need to go get them, I'll plug into my computer and do it that way. Well, the the thing that I have really enjoyed about uh, this in particular, and, and the reason why I say I, I'm glad that I've got other options and I'm, and I'm not going to be happy with the current pricing for iCloud uh, photo library, is you just run across the street to Amazon. My wife and I are already signed up for Amazon Prime, $99 a year for the total service. But as part of that, we've got unlimited photo storage, unlimited photo storage uh, included in that. If you want to get just the photo storage without uh, the rest of Amazon Prime benefits, I think it's like $55 a year and you get unlimited photos and five gigabytes for video. And, you know, it's a little bit of a hassle to use photos for the management side of things and the storage side of things and then to also upload to Amazon. But once you get it set up once you get your main library there the actual daily and and weekly updating can all happen on your phone directly so you don't even have to worry about syncing it from the desktop that's what i'm doing now and i'm hoping that uh, apple comes in here and uses some of that massive amount of uh, cash that they've got stored up to buy us all some more icloud storage space <laughs> i hope so Let's look at some of the rumors that have come out for iOS 9 in particular. That's the sexier of the two operating systems, mm -hmm. of course. Lots of things happening on the Mac side. But um, over on iOS 9, you've got the new music app. And this is actually, you mentioned using the beta program. It's something that I want to talk about in just a second. We could, we could tread uh, that way now, actually, if you want to. But Apple has allowed, and you can sign up. You can go to their website and find information on this. Uh, and you don't have to be anything special. You don't have to be a journalist of any kind. You can sign up for a beta program, a public beta program for both their Mac software and their iPhone or iPad software. I'm uh, signed up on my phone. I haven't set it up on my iPad. I am also using the beta, the public beta on my uh, main Mac at home as well, my iMac. And I'm loving both. I found them to be very, very stable. It's cool to get the new features a little bit ahead of time. Every now and again when something is a little buggy or a little crashy, I feel like I'm doing, you know, the community a service by sending in those reports. And, and so overall, I've been enjoying it. But one of the cool new treats that I've gotten through that is the new music app. Have, have you tried the beta on your phone yet? Uh, I think I've left off at, uh, what was it, 8.4? Um, I mean, I've gotten to do the, uh, I've tried the Beats I'm not on board with the whole Beats integration. I don't, I don't actually like the headphones. I know some people will be very upset for me to say that. Uh, I just, I feel like my free ones that came with my cell phone do the job just as well as the $400 Beats headphones. <laughs> but <laughs> the app itself, I, I do like that they changed, um, that they, they brought up, what was it, playlists to the top. Um, they made it easier to find. 
Yes. Uh, so you've got uh, the playlist is a little bit easier, but also they've they've the main addition to me is the up next song queuing. Now this has been available on the Mac side since like 2013 and iTunes 11 or so. Um, the overall design is very very much Beats influenced uh, for the music app. It, it's not completely it's not Beats branded at all, and it's not um, totally trending that way. But it is closer to that than you know. It just in general, it just looks much more a modern music app. The one thing that's really bugging me right now, and I think this is just a problem in the uh, beta version as opposed to the final version, uh, there is no landscape um, There is no landscape mode for the music app right now. Now, that's yeah. better, I suppose, than the old way that it worked. When you would go to landscape in the current music app on your iPhone, you get that weird wall of album art, which is completely useless to me as far as actually moving around and trying to pick different music. In the new app, right now it does nothing when you go to landscape mode. It just sits right there and waits for you to to make your portrait choices. So I'm hopeful that that is something that they eventually um, open up to or add a little bit uh, different to. Uh, the other big rumor, though, is uh, more customization. Uh, in particular, using the idea of extensions to, to go all the way to being able to change your primary mail app or your primary messaging app, or your primary phone app even. Um, is that something that you try to do? Do you try to work around the built-in apps, or are you mostly an Apple ecosystem girl? Um, I've, tried, I've tried both. I find that um, because I, I tend to route music through my Apple TV, it's just easier to stick with iTunes or uh, Pandora. And I've tried some third-party stuff, but I just, I just kind of like what they have, the old one. Um, I, I, just, I was really happy with it. Um, other than the playlist, because sometimes, you know, I want to find the music I've made and not have to individually hit each album or each artist. Right. The The only built-in app that I have found myself on a regular basis wishing that I could completely replace uh, is the Mail app. And the only reason for that is I've switched now to Microsoft Exchange. It breaks my poor little Apple-loving heart a little bit. Um, but at the same time, it is a much better app for multi-account use and for some of the features like scheduling and uh, heavy folder management, I just find it's a much more modern mail app. That one's the one that I'm hoping we can actually get to the point where anytime I click a mail link from the operating system, it knows I want to open that in exchange. I'm very, very hopeful that that's coming in iOS 9. I would, I definitely agree with that. Um, I know on the computer side of it with my MacBook Pro, I hate the mail app. Um, I tend to access Exchange through my browser, and I don't like that it always defaults to the computer built-in app. So I agree with you there on the Mac side. Uh, there's some other uh, good rumors. Public Transit may be showing up in the Maps app. Uh, some more extensions added to things. And then the, the big thing, as I mentioned earlier, just tune-ups under the hood, squashing a lot of bugs, tightening the operating system. One of the big things that a lot of people requested when iOS 8 finally arrived is, hey, this is gigantic. I've got an 8 gigabyte phone. I've got a 16 gigabyte phone. I can't find room for this, you know, six gigabyte download and install. What can you give me some help here? I think uh, it's very likely. And if you look at the betas, these have been a lot smaller than they have been in the past. So I'm hopeful that the full version of the operating system, that'll be a big point of contention for them as well. Yeah, and I, I, I wonder if they'll stick with the same rollout with like beta uh, coming up here in June and then actually available for download come the fall. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to assume that it'll be right on track with the new phone, and I can't see any reason why they would want to change their phone rollout. It, it fits very well into the schedule. Their entire revenue year is sort of based around that 
uh, that new launch. I, I don't see any reason for them to jump ship on that yet. Um, let's move to the other big thing that I'm super excited about, and you mentioned it already once, uh, so I know that you're a user too. The rumors have held for a long time that Apple has a redesigned and revamped Apple TV in the labs waiting for release, and uh, the rumors, depending upon what time you mention and what rumor you mention, have stated different reasons for why that hasn't actually been released. The most reasonable explanation to me is that they are waiting on content deals. With the recent announcement of the HBO Now deal uh, and all of the rumors that we see with them working behind the scenes with uh, Disney in particular and their massive uh, group of, of networks, I think the time is ripe. I think we're about to get a real uh, Apple TV with perhaps a full app store First of all, you said you use an Apple TV. What are the main ways you use it? Do you find yourself using it every day? First and foremost, I use it to stream music through my house. Second, I use it to stream Netflix. Um, and I use it, I don't watch TV every day, but I definitely listen to music every day. So it's, it's a pretty big staple in my house. I haven't, I don't use a lot of the other apps that are pre-programmed onto the TV. And frankly, I wish I could actually delete them because I don't, like, I'm never going to use the ESPN app. I'm not a sports lady, <laughs> but I really do. I do like it. And the one problem that I have with it is the remote, which is why I was so excited when I read the rumors about them coming out with a redesigned remote for Apple TV. Finally. Uh, so let's talk about that. And, and we mentioned earlier, one of the cool new technologies that we're both so excited about uh, in the watch is the idea of force touch. And that's one of the rumors for the Apple remote is the, the, the idea that they might bring, that uh, force touch technology that they're now using in their trackpad as well uh, to the Apple TV remote. What do you what do you think about this? Would that work? Oh, I, yes. <laughs> I know if you're looking to fast forward or rewind or like search for a certain part of a show or a song, the the current remote it's a little difficult to do that. You can do it, but you have to be really patient. And so I think having better force touch technology would really alleviate. The stress of not being able to get to the right second in Netflix. Well, and the the idea. So if you if you try out one of the new trackpads on the new uh, MacBook One, or if you uh, and that's what I'm calling it anyway, since it's got one port. If you use the uh, new MacBook Pros as well, they've been updated too. Uh, in particular, iMovie was the first bit of software that was updated with this. But when you are <laughs> fast forwarding or rewinding, when you're scanning through a clip the haptic feedback will literally allow you to feel the UI and, and feel the software in some way. You can feel when you reach to the end of a clip or you can um, dig down deeper into the trackpad to access that faster level of fast forward. Those sorts of ideas taken to a remote are very, very exciting. Uh, it would make searching much, much easier. It would make, uh, as you said, fast forwarding, rewinding much easier, but also things like accessing director's commentaries, special features, uh, if you're talking about uh, captions and, you know, uh, audio choices, all of those different things that are sort of a hassle now without the phone remote app, this would could potentially bring it all to a remote. Yeah, and I, uh, looking at like on like Mac rumors when they have like the images that come out of possible design, uh, it's very, it's really streamlined. I know the current remote, we have like that touchback to the earlier generations of iPods with the circle and the two buttons. Uh, but I know on Mac rumors, they've completely gotten rid of it. It's just the force trackpad, which I, I would, I know I would like a hard button myself. I'm just, I really like having that 
yes, I definitely want to make this choice. Um, but if it is just a tap function, I can live with that too. So I'm excited to see because this remote hasn't changed since they debuted the remote. No, like all the way back to the very first time you got an aluminum remote with your iMac. I think it's the exact same remote. Yep. Uh, even back to the original Apple TV, which had a hard drive in it, amazingly. Um, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is definitely a, a design in need of a refresh. So, But the other big thing about bringing out a redesigned and, and potentially revamped Apple TV would be after a processor jump, it could be a really, really screaming machine for games and uh, App Store in general. The idea of having, let's say, an A7 or an A8-based uh, Apple TV with metal access, the, um, uh, the processing uh, know-how that helps gamers, uh, or excuse me, game developers uh, make their software really, really sing on iOS devices, on iPads and iPhones. The idea of be being able to do that in your living room, too, is very, very exciting for me. I mean, I've got uh, you know, four small kids. We play a lot of Nintendo Wii. We play a lot of uh, Mario and things like that. But we play a heck of a lot of Angry Birds and other sort of games if those were available on our TV. Well, and think of the possibilities, too, if you do have this force touch remote with really sensitive technology that you can feel as you're using this device, the, the possibilities of the new types of games that you could actually play on your TV using that as a controller. Uh, absolutely. The other thing that the controller could uh, potentially do for us is something that the Amazon Firebox already has going for it, voice search uh, with mm. Siri potentially finally coming to the Apple TV. Do you think that's something that is likely this generation or are we going to have to wait a little while longer? As much as I want it, I feel like there's a good chance because they've been doing a lot of good Siri stuff. I don't know. Well, it, it's a tough one. I feel like it's time and it has been a while since the TV was updated. So maybe that could be the reason why it's taken so long is because they've been like testing out different ways to use Siri and fixing bugs with using that technology for the Apple TV. The other big potential announcement that could come at WWDC, I think a lot of people are hoping for, I actually think it might be a few more months before we see this. Do you expect that we'll actually get real watch apps announced, a full native SDK as opposed to the watch kit apps, which are sort of just extensions running on the phone and displayed to the watch right now? I, I think so. And it's a really strange reason why I think it. Um, but if you look up the invite for the conference, if you look at the logo they used, you can like break it down a bit. Uh, so you have the conference and you see the big in the center, uh, the black square. That could be an Apple TV. I mean, we're talking abstract shapes here. And you have a really nice multicolored flower design going behind it. And if you look at your cardinal directions, they alternate between squares and circles. To me, the squares, they're the rounded corners. They look like app squares. And the ones that are circles, I feel like those could be the iWatch squares. So I feel like we're going to be seeing a lot of Apple TV apps and watch announcements. I, I think you might be on to something there. I was, I'm looking at the logo uh, as we're talking, and, and you're absolutely right. I think, I think that might be it exactly. I'm very, very hopeful about the, the native watch apps. I know that there's still a lot to learn for developers and users, too, as far as what this watch is actually going to mean for us and how we're going to want, want to use it in our daily life and how we're going to want to integrate it into our workflows. 
But I, until you get to true native apps, until you get third-party developers on the same footing as Apple is as far as what they're capable of doing with the device, I think we're always going to be sort of hamstrung and wondering what the potential is. And, and until then, truthfully, I'm more than satisfied with not having a watch yet. So I, as a matter of fact, I don't want them to rush the real watch apps. They can wait another <laughs> year, save my, save, my, save my bank account. Yeah, I think I'll probably wait to fully purchase until the next generation comes out. Let them work out the bugs this year, and the next year, the year after, then I'll be on board. Well, if you look, I mean, generally, I think uh, with the iOS devices, Apple is now in sort of a TikTok uh, development nature where every other year is, is more of a leap in hardware. And then those off years, they take a lot of time to really focus on software and some of the internal additions to the devices. But I think if you look back to the first year and the second year in all of the iOS devices, there really has been a significant leap, physically speaking. From the first iPhone to the second iPhone, we gained 3G networking, for instance. We gained a GPS built into the device. We gained... Uh, native applications for one thing, but there were a lot of outside designs, uh, design changes as well. From the iPad 1 to the iPad 2, a huge leap both internally as far as the processing power, but also externally in the amount that they were able to shave the device down and lighten it up too. And I think it's entirely possible that we might see the same jump between Generation 1 and Generation 2 of the watch. If you think about how far back they had to announce and reveal the design of the watch. It's been finalized probably, you know, all the way. Well, at least it's been finalized now for nine months, and it's just now been released. To me, that means they've got at least a nine- or ten-month jump on the design and the development of the second round before we see it. Yeah, and I feel like the first thing they'll probably have to work on, uh, even before we can really worry about apps too much, is battery life. So I'm hoping they're already in development there. I know if you read the if you read uh, reviews of the product online, battery doesn't make it a full day, so you can't even use functions like your sleep tracking and those really nice health apps that they have in order to fully, you know, fully be able to use the watch. So hopefully they can fix the battery issues, and then they can in turn improve their apps. Awesome. Uh, Alicia, I appreciate you joining me today. We, we've got a bunch of uh, fun stuff to watch for next week. And uh, after we have all been proven uh, horribly wrong and they've released the iCar and all of the other things that we didn't even speculate, uh, you and I can come back and, and get together again and talk about how dumb we were, right? <laughs> that would be wonderful. <laughs> awesome. All right, Alicia, we will have you on again soon. I appreciate you joining us. Um, tell everybody where they can follow you online. Can they catch up with you on Twitter? Yes, follow me on Twitter at Allie underscore Maddie. That would be A-L-I underscore M-A-D-D-I-E. I tweet constantly. Social media is kind of my jive. So uh, tweet me any questions, comments. I don't take criticism, and I'll get you back. <laughs> awesome. All right, Alicia, thanks so much for joining us. All right, have a good one. See you next time. What a great conversation and what a great guest. I appreciate Alicia for joining us and we're going to have her on again soon. Don't forget to check her out on Twitter at Allie underscore Maddie. That's A-L-I underscore M-A-D-D-I-E. You can find links in our show notes, by the way, as well as uh, some links for a few uh, interesting articles on WWDC as well as the recent 
promotion, I guess I should say, of Johnny Ive from uh, just the head of UI and hardware design to now. He is the chief design officer of Apple Inc. What that might mean for the future of Apple? Well, it's going to be very exciting to see. If you've got feedback for this episode or anything we've talked about on Me and the Geek, please email us, meandthegeek at teamprocreate.com. You can feedback on Facebook or Twitter as well. We're Me and the Geek on both of those websites. Uh, Or you could just go straight to our website, meandthegeekpod.com. Until next week, I've been your host, Joel Sharpton. You can find me on Twitter at The Rogues Life. This week's geek was Alicia Goodman. We talked about WWDC and the Apple Watch. And this has been the podcast. One, two, three, four. Me and the Geek is a proud member of the Procast Network, a Procreate production. Procreate is a community of artists in film, music, the digital arts, and fine arts that helps them connect and collaborate on projects. You can find out more at teamprocreate.com. Also, be sure to check out one of our other great shows like Pod on Pod, a weekly review of a different podcast to help you find your new favorite show. Josh and Joel are your hosts as they walk through the wide world of podcasting. From comedy to self-help, Josh and Joel listen to it all so you don't have to. These fingers crossed paprika burgers. Big day today. Jamie gets his exam results. I hope he's done okay. He's worked so hard. So I'm making my paprika burgers for when he gets home. They were lucky last time. I add red onion and paprika to the mince. Then I top with jalapenos. Well? Make your own burgers with our Tesco finest Aberdeen Angus beef. Food love stories. Brought to you by Tesco. With OneNet on Vodafone Business, you can make and receive landline calls from your mobile, meaning your office could be here. Or here. Or more likely, here. Hello, Saunders Designs. How can I help? Your office can be anywhere with our OneNet virtual landline. Available on our new and limited data plans. The future is exciting. Ready? Vodafone Business. Max download, upload speeds, apply to data. Coverage may vary. Unlimited and one net terms at vodafone.co.uk slash terms.